Welcome into the Claptrap. Brought to you by Ultrasound Productions. Now also playing on 90.7 WKKL. It's day to day with him after rolling his ankle three minutes into the game on Tuesday. Celtics have played well without him here tonight as Tatum sticks another one. Happy birthday, Jason Tatum. Boston keeps on trucking. They are 21 and 8 since January 1st. What a game for the Celtics. A huge win, in my opinion, against a top-tier Western Conference team. A player in Ja Morant who is being talked about as a possible MVP candidate this year. Uh, Another young superstar in the making over in Memphis. And the Celtics were without Jalen Brown. You go into the game, you start Neesmith, Aaron Neesmith. He goes down with an injury. You then have Derek White get an injury later on in the game. It was pretty late in the game at that point, but still, you ended up losing or not having those three players for a game, and you still beat a third place in the Western Conference Memphis Grizzlies team. It's crazy. And I'm very happy to be able to talk about that. We're going to start off the show with the Celtics, but we are going to get into some Bruins topics. We're going to get into some football topics as well uh, as we go on with the show. But we got to start off with this Celtics win because I thought that it was a huge win for this team. And and I had been saying over these last couple of weeks that, you know, they had not beaten anyone. I think a lot of people were saying that. Uh, they had not beaten anybody during this uh, last month, two-month stretch where they have been dominant. They have been, they, they are 21-8 and eight since January. Uh, you know, that's uh, obviously a great run that they've been on. And it was another moment of being able to prove that this team can play great defensively and that they can get players to step up, especially at home. I mean, that was an amazing game by Al Horford overall. I think that he personally was the MVP of the game. The, the, the way that he was able to do pretty much everything on the court was just outstanding to me. I mean, the guy was involved in literally everything that was going on. He had the the... One of the games of his career with the Celtics, I would say, just because of the relevance of what was happening, the amount of statistics that he was able to put up. The guy had 21 points, 15 rebounds, 5 assists. He was 4 of 8 from 3-point range. He played almost 40 minutes in the game, the most of any of the starters. He also had a couple of blocks and only 2 turnovers. So, I mean, he was all over the map. He was making plays. It it seemed like he was a magnet for the ball. So, yes, even though Tatum had statistically maybe the best game with the 37 points, he had 6 rebounds and 5 assists, I still give, personally, the MVP to Al Horford because without Al Horford, you are certainly not in that game against the Memphis Grizzlies, who would just not go away. They wouldn't go away. Uh, they started off slow. I mean, John Morant started off 0 of 6 in the game, and and we we were battling with them still towards the end of the game. And even with the, the shorthanded roster, we were able to hang on to it, so I was impressed with that, but... This is one of this, hey, green teamers out there, anyone who's been yelling at their radio whenever they hear me say that they haven't beaten anybody yet, and you're probably being like, oh, well, they're still that good. Well, this has proven that they are starting to be considered a much better team, at least in my opinion. They are now officially in the fifth spot in the Eastern Conference. They have jumped over the Cavaliers for that fifth seed in the Eastern Conference, which is huge. The higher we can get up, 
the better it's going to be for this team. Now, I don't know if they're going to be able to surpass any of the teams like the Heat, the Sixers, the Bulls, or the Bucks, just because those are very high-caliber teams, but you don't know. You just got to keep doing what you can. You keep winning as many of these games as you possibly can, and, and we'll see how this goes. But, man, this was a huge win, I think, for the Celtics. The first one that I've, since they've gone on this little run, that really counts as a legitimate good team that they're going against. And honestly, also, going into the game, a lot of people were talking about how much better John Morant already is than Jason Tatum. I was I was putting up polls on the Claptrap on Twitter, on Instagram, and people were voting for John Morant as the better player going into this game. So, I mean, they they went back and forth with each other in this one. And we're going to talk about them as well, uh, the the battle between John Morant and Jason Tatum. But this was a it was just a a back and forth battle, especially in that fourth quarter. They were going back and forth. It was nuts, and and it was just it was a great game overall. But I got to say also, other than just Al Horford, I think a huge player on this team right now is Grant Williams. And when you have both Grant Williams and Al Horford on the floor at the same time, the amount of basketball IQ on the floor, it reaches astonishing levels. It, it's, I mean, Al was going crazy, passing, defending, shooting, but then you also have Grant Williams doing basically the same thing. Grant Williams, to me, is a mini Al Horford. He is just learning, and he is getting much better, obviously, at three-point shooting. But he is—he does everything that you need him to do. He do. He's a great role player on this team, and he is one of the things that is going to keep this team going in the future. But I got—I also got to say, I, I'm a little worried with all these injuries that are starting to pile up here. We've got now—I don't know what the Derek White situation is going to be, but when he got injured, it, it looked like he had lost feeling in his arm, and then he immediately went out of the game. He had ran into another player trying to set a screen. He immediately clutched—I believe it was his left arm. He was trying to get them to call a timeout to get him out of the game. We couldn't do it at that time, or they wouldn't do it at that time. So you see him running up and down the floor, not using that left arm, basically. I, I believe it was the left arm. Maybe it was the right, but I think it was the left— it looked as though he couldn't feel his arm or, or he started to kind of like try and shake it out and, and maybe get some feeling back to it. But I'm a little worried about that between that and the Aaron Neesmith injury looked bad. It looked like it was a bad one. Once again, I didn't watch it fully, but it looked like he was in excruciating pain and another ankle injury is going to happen for this Celtic squad. So I don't know how much longer Jalen Brown's going to be out. I don't know how long Neesmith and Derek White will be out, if at all. But if we are missing out on those players, like I said in the last episode, we have some big games coming up ahead of us, and this month of March is going to be tough enough as is, so hopefully those guys aren't going to be as injured. But I want to keep talking about the matchup between Tatum and John Morant when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Two young superstars, age 22 and age 24, Morant and Tatum. As we send it over to Stephanie Reddy. Take it away, Steph. Thank you so much, Brian Deuce, joining Tatum. So we're going to wait for this embrace on Jason Tatum's birthday. As you mentioned, he has 37 points, which is a high for him on his actual birth date. Jason Tatum versus Ja Morant. That was the big matchup going into the game. You had two very young superstars, as you just heard in that clip, both in their very early 20s, and they went off and, and, and they were able to dominate the game. You had Tatum going for 37 points. You had Morant going for 38 points. Yes, Morant started off slow. He started off 0 of 6 from the field, but 
He ended up getting his game going, and you could see the reason why everyone is excited on this kid and what he's able to do. His athleticism is off the charts. He is able to jump out of the gym. He proved it in this game. He had a crazy alley-oop dunk that he had over Marcus Smart at one point that you know made the building shake. It was wild. So he is a great player. And he is dominating the league right now. He has been very good recently. But I'm still questioning why all these fans out there are saying that they would rather have John Morant over Jason Tatum. I, like I said in the last segment, I put up a nice little poll on at the, at the Claptrap on Twitter and on Instagram. So if you're not following along already, I've been putting up questions like that all the time and trying to get everyone's uh, feel on how they're thinking about these certain things. And it seems as though everybody, including some hometown Boston people, are saying that Ja Morant is the better player. Which to me, I, I think that's crazy. I, I, to me, if you're asking me to choose between the six foot, listed six foot three, but I think he's a little bit shorter than that, maybe six two, Ja Morant versus the six foot eight Jason Tatum and what those two are able to do. Give me Jason Tatum all the time. Give, give me the guy who can not only bang down low, but can also shoot threes with the best of them. He is a six foot eight guy who has a wingspan big enough to get you rebounds, blocks, uh, turnovers. He can defend the lane well against passes. He is starting to develop his defensive game a lot more as well versus the guy who I am comparing to in John Morant. Derrick Rose 2.0. He is, it's great. He, what he's been able to do so far, very flashy, very fun to watch. It gets, it's exciting, right? And he is able to attack the basket unlike any other point guard in the league right now. He is up there in points in the paint with the top centers in the league. That's, that's who gets the points in the paints the most. Centers, the, the big men who are going to be down low, the Rob Williams of the world, those are going to be leading that category. And yet John Morant is second in the league in, point in the points in the paint. That's crazy. That's that's how you know that this kid is just attacking the basket all the time. And he was hitting threes too, don't get me wrong, but he is not considered a shooter, at least not at this point in his career. Now, maybe he's going to be able to develop a shot, and maybe he's going to be able to change his game up a little bit. But if he continues going as just a... Uh, an attack the rim type player as a point guard and uh, you know he can pass too but it's not like he's one of the prolific passers in the league so he's not really crazy as a specific point guard in that sense he's not necessarily looking for his pass even in that play where he did have the big alley-oop dunk over uh, Marcus Smart, it was like when he got the ball, he tried to pass it away so someone else could pass it back to him. He was thinking about his own high-flying maneuvers at that point. He wasn't thinking about getting anyone else involved. And I'm not saying that he's not able to do that. Like I said, the kid can still pass. He is still good enough to be able to do that. He had a few passes in this game against the Celtics that were great. But... When you're asking me what is going to be better in the NBA going forward, give me the guy that can do everything. And that's Jason Tatum to me. He can step out and shoot the three with the best of them. He can also bang down low with some bigs because he has a big enough body. He is putting on enough muscle and size to be able to get down low and play in the post as well. John Morant? He's great. He's flashy. He's fast. He can jump high enough that his head hits the rim. And that's awesome. It's fun to watch. But is that sustainable in this NBA? I don't know. That's why I think he is Derrick Rose 2.0. And Derrick Rose was amazing. When he started off in the league, that MVP season for the Chicago Bulls, he was amazing. 
He was jumping out of the gym. Uh, all these, he was doing 360 layups through the legs, whatever. He would do anything he needed to do, passing and, and attacking the basket. He was great. But eventually he ran into some injuries, some major injuries, because when you keep trying to attack the basket, you're running into the biggest players in the league. You're running into the guys that are six foot ten or above and over 250 pounds. They're, you're hitting into them like a solid brick wall. Eventually, that's going to break down your body. So, I, I mean, I, I understand the recency bias. I, I understand that he is great right now. He's had some 50, a 50 point game or whatever. He's been dominating the league. The, the Memphis Grizzlies are looking great. They're a great team overall. But first of all, they couldn't even beat a, an injured, a very injured Celtics squad who didn't have their second best player and then lost two more players in the game. You couldn't beat them. I know it's on the road, but for a team that's been considered so good recently, either you have to say that the Celtics are that much better or they, I don't know, did Memphis not show up enough in that game? I don't know what it is. But they weren't able to run with the Celtics the way that, uh, you know, they are with other teams, it seems. So, great win for the Celtics. And I think the question shouldn't be John Morant or Jason Tatum because that seems very easy to me. Especially the way that the league is going. You want more of these athletic wings that can do everything on the floor. And Tatum is only getting better every single game, every single year. He is developing his defense. He's developing better shooting tactics. All of these things are getting better for him. And he's six foot eight. So he's a big guy. Versus John Morant, who I guess he's listed at 6'3, but he's probably 6'2, maybe even 6'1, which is fine. He plays bigger than that when he's jumping out of the building, and it looks crazy because he is a smaller guy in the league. But man, give me Jason Tatum. I, I'm not even. I don't even want this to come off as a homer take. I just think that there's more intangibles that you can take from a Jason Tatum type player than you can from John Morant. And I feel like eventually John Morant is going to be injury prone. It's unfortunate. He's a great player. He's flashy. He's fun to watch. But is it going to be able to last? Give me Jason Tatum. All right, time to move on now. I want to start talking about the Bruins when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Craig Smith thinking about his third career hat trick. Rifles one in. Smith has a hat trick in each of the last two seasons. In front, Marshawn, what a save by Leonard. Had that one ticketed for the goal. And that's on the goal. And it is the hat trick. And wow. here come the lids. Very rarely are you going to lose a game when that... Third or fourth line scores two or more goals. They got three tonight. That was another great win by the South, uh, by the Bruins. Oh, all right. Well, I'm in, I'm in the great win category now. Both of our teams, great wins last night. But the Bruins, great win by the Bruins against the Golden Knights in Vegas last night. Great job by just sticking to it, continuing to overwhelm that team throughout the entire night and beating them up 5-2. to two. A game where, I mean, it shouldn't have even been, they shouldn't have even gotten that second goal, in my opinion, but we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. And it was a great, uh, you know, continuance of how the Bruins have been doing lately. They, they are still working their way up the standings as much as they can. This one's obviously going to help. They're getting closer and closer to the Maple Leafs, now only four points behind being able to move into the top three teams in the division, in the Atlantic division. Huge. If they were able to catch up to them, and they still have a lot of games left, obviously, that would be huge for the team. But 
This this was a, a great battle, a great effort by secondary players. I know that we've been all complaining about the Bruins needing secondary scoring. Well, you got it in this one. Craig Smith had a hat trick, his third of his entire career, and it was a great one. This was a, a good overall performance, I think, by the team from top to bottom. Swayman was playing great as usual. The kid is still on fire. And so I, I think that this team is is building momentum. And once again, we got to keep thinking about you have to buy at the trade deadline. You just have to. With this team, you have to buy at this time because of how good they're playing. I don't care what anyone thinks about their normal playoff records or how they normally act in the playoffs over these last three, four, five seasons, whatever it is. They have been disappointing. We get that. But now that you got Swayman in the in the net, it's a whole new avenue here. We, we, we don't know what he's going to be in the playoffs, right? We haven't tried him in the playoffs yet. It's been Tuca this whole time. Even an injured Tuca. We'll just throw him out there instead of anyone else. But now it's Jeremy Swayman's time. And I think that there is a reason to get excited about this Celtic. About, I keep saying Celtic. About this Bruins squad. I have Celtics on the brain too. So I'm very happy about everything that's going on. Now, one of the little things that I could nitpick in this game was the very first goal chance or, or the big chance that Jake DeBrusque had right, out the bat, right off the bat. Early in the game, he gets a breakaway chance by himself because of a turnover, and he makes the absolute wild decision to try and drop the puck back to Marshan when there was a defender chasing him as well. It made no sense to me. Uh, you have a breakaway opportunity, you know, and the puck went into the corner. It was lucky that the Vegas player slashed Marshan because otherwise it would have been a completely blown play. At least the Bruins ended up getting a power play out of it. Not that they did anything with it, but they were able to get that and, and, and continue the momentum at that point. But I don't know, Jake DeBrusque, man, in that situation, you have been on fire lately. And your first thought was to drop it off. I, you have a breakaway. You got to heat check yourself at that point, buddy. You got to try and score. You're so hot right now that everything is going in for you and you get a breakaway and you try and drop it off. I, I don't know, man. Jake, you're just, uh, are you getting in your head a little bit too much in that moment? Did you really think that dropping it off was the better play in that scenario on a breakaway? I don't, I don't know. It, it, that, that one kind of blew my mind to start off. But then you go on and you have the Coyle, Frederick, and Smith line was dominating the entire night which was great to see. You've been having these secondary, these third and fourth lines just dominating. The other night it was the Felino, Felino line, and now it was the Frederick, Coyle, and Smith line that was dominating. And that's what you love to see with this team because on the nights when you're not going to get a ton of scoring from your, your top players, which you did end up having Pasternak scoring two goals. One of them is an empty netter, but you, you, you had that production from that top line. But when you're not going to get, or, or second line, I should say, but when you're not going to get anything from, from your top line and, and you need something from the other lines, these are the games you love to see this kind of stuff. I'm not saying that they don't still need to go and get players at the trade deadline. They have to. But, man, it was, it was great to see. They were playing great. Coyle was good. Frederick was uh, all over the ice, finishing checks left and right. And then Smith couldn't miss, it seemed. He was getting great opportunities. He had that, that moment when Leonard was spinning around, hit off his own defensive player, for, and, and Smith got that hat trick. You know, things like that don't normally happen. But, hey, you take advantage of it when you can. You get a little bit of puck luck, whatever it is, and you're happy about that. 
So it was it was a good overall performance from the team, and they, they were able to handle business. I was a little confused at the end of the game, though. I got to say, when the Vegas Golden Knights pulled their goalie with five minutes left down four to one, they end up getting a great screen goal, absolutely screened the crap out of Swayman, and it, he wasn't able to see that one ever whatsoever. So they put they get down four to two, right? You're only two goals back, and there was a little over three minutes left in the game still, and you didn't go back to pulling your goalie. I don't know why you kind of ruined your whole momentum, which is fine by me, Vegas. I don't really care. You can ruin all your momentum all you want. But it seems silly to me to pull the goalie with five minutes left. You end up scoring a goal, and you don't go back to having that man advantage. But they waited a good 45 seconds to a minute until there was about two minutes left before they pulled their goalie again. And at that point, it was like the Bruins had gotten the momentum back. They were they were able to handle everything that was going on. They end up going down and scoring an empty netter with pasta. So, I don't know. I, I, fine by me, Vegas, if you want to do that. But I thought that your... Your move to your your last ditch hail mary effort to pull the goalie with five minutes left was was worked out for you. You got a goal out of it, but then you didn't continue going with it. So it, I don't know. That was kind of confusing to me. I didn't understand it, and so hey, whatever. At the end of the day, it worked out for the Bruins, so I'm happy about that. But there are some things that need to change, and that is including the Jake DeBrusque situation. So I want to give my thoughts on Jake DeBrusque when we come back after this on ninety point seven WKKL. The Clap Trap with your host, Zach Clap. Jake, this is the first chance we've had to talk to you since you, you asked to be traded back in November. Uh, you, you've, you've never told us why that is. It's up to you if you want to tell us that. And beyond that, does, does any of this change your thinking? Uh, to be honest, uh, I had a meeting with the guys, I think, when it first kind of hit and uh, or first got out there, and um, I told them I wouldn't be a distraction. So I respectfully plead the fifth on all those. I just want to talk about... Um, you know, the game and stuff. And obviously, like you said, I haven't talked to you guys in a while. So um, it's a fair question, but I won't be answering that. What about the last part of that? Have you changed your mind? I think I just said the answer in that sense of I don't want to be a distraction or anything. And I, um, you know, it's one of those things where obviously uh, it's a tough situation, you know, but um, I'm focusing day to day, like I said earlier in the year. He pled the fifth. Now, this was a clip from back uh, when they had been playing the Kraken, the Seattle Kraken. They won that game against the Kraken. He had been playing good. This was near the, you know, in, in the middle of his entire stretch of great goal playing. He had five, seven goals over five games, something ridiculous like that. We're going to see how things keep going, but he has been on absolute fire lately. Jake DeBrusque, I said, you know, he had a breakaway chance against the Vegas Golden Knights that he gave up on. It made no sense to me in that game last night, but whatever. Jake, you, you, maybe you got in your own head there or whatever, but you've been playing great. And it's obviously uh, in part because you're on the line with Bergeron and Marshan, which I think is a great strategy for any Bruins at any point, they're trying to showcase a player, put them on the line with Bergeron and Marshan. You're going to obviously get the most out of that player. Jake DeBrusque is going to think of himself as a top-tier player in that moment because we know that he gets in his own head. We know he gets down on himself when he plays himself down the lineup and all of a sudden he's down on the third line and now he's moping all over the place and you don't get 100% effort. But because of the way that the season's gone, injuries, all of that, he gets thrust into that first line. And now he's playing out of his mind, in part because it's very easy to play with Marshan and Bergeron, obviously, but also he's just been giving more effort. And we've seen that before. He had an amazing season his rookie year, right? He, he's been able, to, he's shown us that he can be a goal scorer. 
And right now, it seems like nothing can miss for him, though though he didn't take advantage of that in the Vegas Golden Knights game. But I got to say, I'm still on the side of you have to trade him high. Trade him with the most value you can get for him. And I'm not saying that his value has shot up too high to the point where we're going to actually be able to bring back some really talented player. But I am worried that eventually this whole effort thing is going to go away after the trade deadline when he realizes he wasn't able to get traded. And I still think that he wants to get traded. I mean, in that in that comment that I played at the beginning of this segment, when he is talking about or when he's being asked about you know, you asked for a trade, Jake DeBrusque. We are, you know, we're wondering, are you still feeling that way? Has anything changed? Obviously, you know, you've been playing really good lately, all that kind of stuff. He is very noncommittal in that scenario. Jake DeBrusque is sitting there re- re- answering these questions saying, I plead the fifth. I don't want to be a distraction, all that kind of stuff. You know what a player who has changed his mind does in that scenario? He says, you know what? I, I think we're doing a great job right now. I'm focused on this season. I want to be here, and I want to keep playing hard with my teammates. Something like that. You go along those kind of lines. You don't go with the, I plead the fifth, and then when they reiterate their question saying, you know, uh, well, what about that second part? Are you are you thinking about changing your mind, whatever? And he goes on just saying, you, you know, I, like I said, I don't want to be a distraction. Well, th- that is clearly answering the question to me. Uh, personally. So I don't know. He's continued to play really good recently. Now might be the time to go and trade him. And I'm not going to tell you that I have the perfect player to go after in this scenario. I don't have that, that guy lined up. I need to do more research on the players available, but if any other team in the league is now thinking highly of Jake DeBrusque and you can get somebody that, that could be considered a top six forward, for this team or maybe somehow you can trade him for a top four defenseman I doubt either of those scenarios are going to exist I'm not I'm not getting crazy here Bruins fans I don't think that Jake DeBrusque is warranting those types of players coming back in a trade at this point but if some GM around the league is dumb enough to think oh look at what Jake DeBrusque can Jake DeBrusque can be if you just give him enough ice time or if you give him enough motivation or whatever it is then you got to bite on that. you got to take that if they're willing to do that right now because if we get further into the year past the trade deadline and all of a sudden he's not giving effort anymore and he gets shot back down the lines and he's playing on the third or fourth line again, what was the point? What was the point of all this? You finally got to a point where he was being talked about, where he was scoring, he had crazy statistics over these last couple of weeks, and you didn't take advantage of that. That's upsetting to me if, if that happens. So I want him to be a part of the trade deadline moves. I, I want them to be aggressive during the trade deadline. That may involve getting rid of some of these prospects who we've been starting to hear about. I'm not saying Lysel. I think that that kid has go, got a possible potential of being great, though he is only, I think, 18 years old, so you never really know. But he seems to be playing great so far. But it may be time... Already, I know that we got a couple other prospects as well. Move uh, at least one of those prospects and Jake DeBrusque and try and go out there and get yourself a top four defenseman, a left shot defenseman who can actually help bolster the, the, the defensive lines that need to be acting more, as Bruce Cassidy said, like pricks and being less nice guys. Or go out there and try and get a second line center or a top six forward to put on the on this team because that is the those are the two things that this team still needs at this point it's pretty clear that 
to get over the hump, yes, the Bruins have been great. They have been playing great against certain teams, and they are great offensively. Their defense has their moments, but like I've said before, I think that their defense is great in helping out with the offense, so that has been nice. And then you got Swayman. And you know you don't know what he's going to be in the playoffs, but you think he's going to be good with the way he's been playing recently. So let's go. Let's get all in on this team. Let's try and go out there, get something at the trade deadline. And yes, move on from Jake DeBrusque, because regardless of how you feel about how he's been playing recently, it would be much better to get something back for him rather than see in a couple of weeks that he stops giving as much effort and now he's back to the old Jake DeBrusque, and then we're just going to end up losing him in free agency or something in the offseason for nothing anyways. Try and make this team better this year. Try and go out and find an asset on a team that is trying to sell instead of buy, and let's move on from that. I, I think that that's the play. Move on from Jake DeBrusque, and let's get something better for this team. All right. I got one more Bruins topic that I want to talk about. We're going to do that when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. Okay, we've been talking about the Bruins these last couple of segments. We broke down the Vegas Knights game that happened last night. Big victory for the team. We broke down my thoughts about Jake DeBrusque recently and what we think, or I think he sh- we should do with him going forward. If you missed any of that, this will be all up as a podcast later on. You can go back and listen. But now we have to get on to the last topic relating to the hockey situation that's been going on recently. And that's a lot of the hate that I've been hearing for Jack Edwards, the broadcaster for the home team Boston Bruins, in his appearances lately. You had a game the other night against the LA Kings in which the Bruins absolutely dominated them. The game started at 10.30 Eastern time, so barely any Bruins fans were actually staying up for this game. I, I only made it into the second period where it was 4 to nothing with seven minutes left in the in the. Uh, second period, this game was over. It, it was pretty obvious that the LA Kings were not trying. I made it the rest of the second period, but then didn't really watch the third period because I don't even think the Bruins played in the third period. They didn't need to. Game ended up being a touchdown to nothing. Seven to nothing. Crazy. And yet I still heard or saw hate for Jack Edwards after this game and after his, some of his more recent performances that he's had due to his uh, what he's doing for the game of hockey and for the people viewing experience. I hear or saw a lot of tweets, a lot of Instagram, a lot of all that social media stuff talking about how Jack Edwards is ruining their hockey experience. He's too much of a homer. He's too much of a, uh, he's in your face. He's too weird. He's doing all this stuff. Well, yeah, he's a Homer guy. He's a, he's the hometown broadcaster. Maybe if you were talking about a national guy being randomly a Homer or getting a little goofy and wild, that's one thing. But we're talking about Jack Edwards here. I, I mean, yes, this call was a little goofy. I'm going to play the call real quick from the LA Kings game that was happening in the second period when the game was already out of hand. Let's play that real quick. sound like a hockey building crypto like it, it sounds like a haunted house crypto.com arena <laughs> hey you're watching a hockey game after midnight 
It's single digits in the North Country. Throw another log on the fire and crack open a beer. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right, so Jack was getting a little goofy there, right? He's talking about how the 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 name of the arena is really goofy and it's going to be a spooky name and whatever, and he's making all these jokes. And then he's talking about how it's after midnight, which it was, and you're watching a game against the LA Kings that is completely out of control at that point. So he's just trying to create some kind of broadcasting magic, try and keep you interested as a fan in some way, because we know that majority of people are asleep on their couch if they're trying to stay up to watch this game, let alone the people that just didn't even turn on the game. So I give no crap to Jack Edwards about what he was able to do in that performance or at any point because he's got to try and do something to keep you entertained, right? But also, it was a very boring game. Now, you bring it to last night's game and you had the ESPN announcing crew and I, I got to say, I like Steve Levy, but putting Mark Messier... And Chris Chelios on there with him was brutal. It, that that performance was so much worse than anything Jack Edwards has ever done. It was like you know, Steve Levy's just dragging these two through an entire broadcast because, yes, okay, so these are some of the greatest hockey players or great hockey players of all time, right? But that doesn't mean that they're instantly going to be good broadcasters. And so Steve Levy's sitting there like, what do I have to do? What do I have to say to get these guys more involved? He's trying his hardest. Like I said, nothing on Steve Levy. I like him as a broadcaster. But man, you bring on these other two guys, and there is no entertainment value in my opinion. Like, what were we actually listening to last night during that game? None of it was informative or useful or entertaining, any of that kind of stuff. And at least Jack Edwards does know what he's talking about when it comes to hockey. Yes, he's coming from a Homer perspective. He is a Bruins broadcaster. So, yes, I understand that it sounds like he's just always giving the Homer take. But at least he knows what he's talking about and can articulate what he's trying to say on a broadcast as opposed to Chelios and Messier who just couldn't figure out what to say. They barely were able to do anything. They were trying to do goofy little segments where they're wearing crowns and eating you know, medieval foods and things like that. None of it was entertaining. It was all just kind of very forced and kind of cringy, if you ask me. So, I don't know. Any of the people who are hating on Jack Edwards, he is a national treasure. Don't you dare hate on that man. He is great. He has always been great, and he will continue to be great. Now, if you want to tell me that the real thing that you've been upset about is the fact that our home broadcast team has not been going out on the road for these games, yeah, okay, I can get on, on board with that. That's a little bit iffy, in my opinion. How are you going to have your broadcasters watching the same TV broadcast that we're all, we're all watching at home and they're still able to give you that insight, that little information about things that they would get if they were actually in the stadium. It doesn't make much sense. I know it's all COVID stuff. I'm surprised that it's still at that point where they're not allowed to go out to, to for these West Coast road trips. I think it's goofy. I, but, you know, whatever. It, rules are rules at this point. You got to deal with that kind of stuff. So if you, if you want to get on them for that, I'm I'm a little bit more behind you on uh, it's just kind of crazy that they're not willing to do that. And then you had the whole situation with the uh, the fire alarm that was going off during the broadcast and they had to be sent outside during it. That, that stuff is all goofy or not goofy. It's horrible. I don't think that it should be happening. You should have the broadcasters. Jack Edwards should be following with the team over on their West Coast road trip. So I'm, I'm on board with you on that one. 
But if you're just hating on Jack Edwards to hate on Jack because you don't like what he says or his homer takes or you think he's goofy or whatever, I think you're wrong, and I think that you need to reevaluate things because look at what you just got last night for the broadcasting crew for ESPN. I love it whenever it's not on Nesson, but some of these crews just have no idea what they're doing. Give me Jack Edwards 10 out of 10 times. All right. Time to move on now. I got some NFL topics I want to get into to finish off the show. We're going to do that when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Clap Trap with your host, Zach Clap. All right, so I haven't really been following up on this Tom Brady retirement saga as much just because, I got to be honest, it's all just annoying to me. You guys have heard me talk about how he is just doing the Brett Favre 2.0 thing where he just wants to keep his name out there and, and, and keep everybody wondering, will he come back? Will he, will he play another season? Is that what he's trying to do? What's going on? And he's not making it easy to continue to be, I would assume, a, a Tom Brady-only fan. For all of those only Tom Brady guys that just went and followed him wherever he went and all this kind of stuff, you got to be thinking that he's a little bit annoying at this point, right? He's, he's now going out, he's continuing to go out on these radio shows or on his own podcast, the Get Up podcast, uh, or, or Let's Go podcast, I should say. He was also on with Fred Couples, and he had some comments that I want to go over here. But we also had the Bruce Arian side of things, which I think is very funny. And I want to just go over all of that right now. So to start it all off, we got to go back a little bit to, to bring up these Bruce Arians comments, because I think that this is a big part of everything that's going on. So I want to play for you what Bruce Arians said recently about the Tom Brady situation, what had happened with that, and, and what he thinks about it going forward. So here, right now, is Bruce Arians talking about the Tom Brady situation. Surprise if he did eventually decide to come back? Yeah, because of the reasons he retired. Do you find it odd at all that he hasn't really firmly slammed oh, he, the door shut? He slammed it shut when I talked to him. So <laughs> I like it. I think like a lot of these guys, he likes to have his name out there. <laughs> Jason said this morning, Jason Light, the GM, he was on Good Morning Football, and he said that they would leave the light on. You guys would leave the light on. For door time. open, light on, all of it. Okay, so he's welcome. Obviously, you would take him back. You would in, want him back. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. But how, how do you leave the light on? Like... You're looking at other quarterbacks. You could draft a quarterback. You could sign a quarterback, trade for a quarterback. Well, then what if in August, if that light is still on, he decides that he wants to come back and you went and found someone else? That other guy's number two. No matter what you paid for. Nope. No, Tom Brady's coming back. He's back. So there is a sentiment, however, that that's how, if Brady wants to play, he would play the scenario. Not to make uh, you guys look bad, no. but say, let you guys move on. And then when I do want to come back, you guys are stuck. No, that ain't happening. That's not Tom Brady. You don't think he would do that? No, not in a heartbeat. What if he asked for a trade? Nope. Not going to trade him? Nope. Bad business. Bad business. I'm not trading the best quarterback ever. Okay, so those were a couple of different clips, right? Those were That was one clip from him being, you know, accosted by a bunch of reporters outside of the, the training camp area or wherever he was at that time. He was being asked a bunch of questions, and he was asked as Tom Brady shut the door, and Bruce Arian says, you know, he slammed it shut in my face, you know, but he, then he also chuckled and made this little joke about how sometimes I think these guys just want to keep their name out there, which is a little bit of a dig at Tom Brady. So that's, that's one strike right there against... 
Bruce Arians from Tom Brady's side of things. But then you have the other comments about how he's going to keep the lights on and all that, and he's he's willing to bring him back, and if he's willing to do it, he will. You know, he can go out and get quarterback X or Y, and those will all be backups to Tom Brady if Tom decides to come back to the team. But he also said that there is just no chance that he is going to be willing to trade Tom Brady if he wants that as well. That That's one of the scenarios that he has been talked about where Tom Brady does come back, but he wants to go to another team. And, and we think it's because the Buccaneers are basically in shambles at this point. You're losing players left and right. Uh, you have a coach who's a, a bozo, and I think Tom Brady actually realized that. So that's one of the major reasons he wants to get away from him, but... The, the Buccaneers still control Tom Brady's rights whenever he does want to come back. If he does want to come back to the NFL, he has to work with the Buccaneers to either get himself traded or he still has to play with the Bucs. He's under contract. That's what happened with the extension. So you have Bruce Arians stopping all of that. He is making light of the situation. It's like he's almost kind of goading Tom Brady. Like, yeah, okay. Uh, uh, he's just wanting to get his name out there. But also at the same time, He's not going anywhere. He he's not I'm not I'm not getting rid of this guy. Does he think that he's actually going to get traded to another team? I'm not trading him to another team. What is he crazy? He's the greatest quarterback of all time. I'm not going to do that. That was that'd be a horrible business decision. Which he's right. You would want to keep Tom on your team if you could, but man, if he's ready to go, it, it, you have to let him go, right? Bruce, I I don't know. You have to try and get something for him. I, I or it's going to turn into this huge thing. Or maybe you won't. Maybe you'll be that petty that you'll just say, nope, we have control of him. I don't even care if I could get a couple first-round draft picks. I don't want any of that. Uh, keep him under control. We'll let him just retire as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Maybe that's what he's trying to do. I mean, I respect the pettiness if you're going to go to that level, but it's kind of funny that, <laughs> that Tom went from one petty coach in Bill Belichick to another petty coach in Bruce Arians, and now Bruce Arians has control over him and is going to dictate where Tom Brady can go in the future. I, I find that very funny. Because, I, I don't know, if you had stuck it out with the Patriots, I guess, and you were on a year-to-year -year deal, you would have been able to control your destiny at all times, right? Not, not that that's whatever was going to happen. And I know the Patriots kind of pushed him out. He kind of pushed himself out, all that kind of stuff. I don't want to get back into that whole side of things. But it is funny to think that the thing that he wanted most, which was a long-term extension, is what is coming back to bite him in the butt now because he can't get away from that Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. If he wants to go and play for San Francisco and, and end his career in his hometown, playing for his home team that he grew up watching, he can't do that unless Bruce Arians or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come out and say that it's allowed, because that's just how the NFL works. It happened the same way with Gronk when he left the Patriots in retirement, and then he wanted to come back. He had to get traded to the team because the Patriots still owned his rights. So... I, it's going to be the same thing with Tom Brady, and it seems as though the Buccaneers are unwilling to budge on that situation. So either, Tom, you come back and you play for the Bucs, or you don't play at all. It's too bad for you. That's the, the, the contract you signed up for, the extension you signed up for. That is how things are going to go. So I don't know. It is funny to me in a sense that the one thing that Tom Brady wanted the most, which was long-term stability and, and a long-term situation, is actually coming back to bite him because you know for a fact that he wants to play again. It, every, all these comments that he's saying, and I want to get into that, and we're going to get into that soon, the comments that Tom Brady is saying about everything is, is leading you to believe that he is not done with football whatsoever. And he clearly has the ability to come back. He was just playing at an MVB caliber last season. 
And, you know, he it doesn't matter. Age is not a number for Tom Brady. He is an alien. We all know that. But I, I don't know. It, it's it's funny to me that at this point, Bruce Arians, the, the new petty coach he's dealing with, is going to stop him from continuing his career. I, it's, it's funny. But let's get into those comments for Tom Brady when we come back after this on 90.7 WKKL. The Claptrap with your host, Zach Clapp. I wish I had a... Uh, uh a clear vision of what the future holds. But I think for me, there's a lot of great things ahead and a lot of great opportunities. I know I said right after football season, I was looking forward to spending time with my family. And I've done that the last five weeks. I know there'll be a lot more of that too. So looking forward to that, looking forward to some golf uh, in the next few days and some more family time. And then we'll figure out where we go from there. I wish I had a clear vision of what the future holds. That's what Tom Brady said when talking with Fred Couples on Sirius XM radio and Couples had asked, maybe you can tell us where you're going. That that what led to that whole quote that I just played. And, and that just sticks out so much, so easily when you started off with, I wish I had a clear vision of what the future holds. Does that sound like somebody who is satisfied with their retirement? Does that sound like somebody who is ready to go off and just play golf all the time and hang out with his family and just, you know, have nothing else to do? other than just create the TB12 method or, or do some goofy, you know, ride-along type movie where it's about Brady for 80 or some goofy thing that's going to come out because that's the other thing in the works for him. Do you think that he really is happy and satisfied with where he's at right now? No, there's no chance. He obviously wants to come back. He obviously wants to play more football at least one more year. And Bruce Arians and the, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are in his way at this point. He now has that extension that he's having to deal with where if he does come out of retirement, he's got to deal with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it seems as though Bruce Arians and the rest of the Bucks organization want nothing to do with getting rid of Tom Brady. If he's going to come back, he's going to play for us. Bruce Arians, I played in the last segment his comments about everything. He does not want to move on. He thinks that that would be a bad business decision to get rid of the top quarterback or the best quarterback of all time. And I don't disagree with him whatsoever. But that is nothing, or that is not at all what Tom Brady wants. He he does not want to play for you, Bruce. He doesn't want to play for that dumpster fire that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that has already lost Antonio Brown and is most likely losing Godwin as well, probably Gronk. I, who else are they going to lose? I mean, obviously, if Brady came back, Gronk would come back as well. You just lost a huge offensive lineman in uh, Tippett or whatever is uh, I don't I don't know what that guy's name is, but he was a good offensive lineman for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The defense has a lot of question marks. Why would Tom want to come back to that team and play for a squad that is in shambles? And on top of it, you have to deal with Bozo Bruce Arians, who is just uh, I don't know one of the worst coaches that has been touted as a good coach recently to me. He he's not. Not a good coach. He's a bonehead. He doesn't know what he's doing. Tom Brady had to take over that offense from Bruce Arians, rip the play card out of his hand and say, look, look, I'm going to be calling these plays right now. You can't do it. So I, Tom wants nothing to do with that. But I don't know. These comments that he said in this quote, the I wish I had a clear vision of what the future holds. I like staying busy. And he said, we'll figure out where we go from here. Those three comments alone from that little clip, Man, you, you got to just think that obviously Tom Brady wants to come back. He wants to play more football. He thinks that he can do it. I think that he can do it. Everyone thinks that he can do it. And yet he's not going to do it because he is in a situation where Bruce Arians and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to stop him from going anywhere he wants to go. 
I, it's funny. It is. It's very funny to me. Uh, once again, I, I think it's, it's you know, the, the funny part about the thing that he wanted most, which was long-term structure and a long-term deal, is coming back to bite him in the butt. I, I'm not saying that it would have been the right move to, to hang out with the Patriots on a one-year deal from year to year. That would have driven him crazy as well. And I don't think that the Patriots handled the situation good. I don't think that the Tom Brady camps handled the situation good either. I think that things never should have ended with the Patriots. I hate that it happened. Once again, the, the way that I've always felt about this is I'm a child of divorce. I want both of my parents to be happy and together, and yet they're off running around trying to do their own thing at this point. So it, it, it's, it's terrible the way that it ended with the Patriots. But it's funny now the way that it's ending with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because I know for a fact that Tom Brady thought that he had control over this entire situation, and yet here we are with Tom Brady making comments about how he's, you know, he's going golfing and he's spending a lot of time with his family, and yet his he doesn't have a clear vision of what his future holds. He clearly is not happy. He's he's not ready to be a retired man that hangs out with his family and tries to do his secondary business and tries to just you know get better at golf. I, he clearly doesn't. Want, it's only been five weeks, Tom. You've, you've only been hanging out with your family and playing golf for five weeks, and you're already at the point where you're itching to get back. Usually, at least in majority of these situations with these retired players, you don't hear about them wanting to come back until it gets to the beginning of the season, until it gets to training camp, and they start really realizing that, okay, I'm not ramping up for a football season right now. Right now, you should be in the offseason. You should be enjoying your offseason, but instead... You're, you're talking on radio, you're going on your own podcast, you're making comments about how you are not clear on what your future holds or where you want to go from here. I don't know. It's, it's, you've, you've gotten to a point, Tom, where you are clearly Brett Favre 2.0. It's, upset, it's upsetting, it's frustrating, it's not something that any of us want to see, but it's happening now. We, we've gotten to this point, and it's unfortunate. I'm sorry, Tom, that you have to deal with it. I do still find it a little bit funny that you have to deal with petty Bruce Arians now after dealing with petty Bill Belichick, and both of them are, are messing with you enough to the point where you can't control your own destiny. You are just a player at the end of the day, I guess. You're the greatest player of all time, but you're still just a player. So these owners and, and coaches and stuff, they still own your rights, and they can still dictate what you are able to do with your career. It's unfortunate, but it's true. That's where we're at. All right, that's going to do it for the rest of this show. I just want to say thank you to everyone tuning in and listening along on WKKL. This is going to be up as a podcast. Anywhere podcasts are found, just search the Claptrap. You'll be able to hear everything that went on in the show. I talked Celtics. I talked Bruins. We talked Tom Brady and the, and, um, the Bruce Arian situation as well. Everything. If you missed any part of that, go ahead and look for the podcast, and you'll be able to hear everything there. We will be back again next week. And we are up on social media as well at the Claptrap. Search for us. You'll be able to follow along, listen to anything going on with the show. Once again, thank you guys for tuning in. I will see you next week. Keep it right here for the Capes Classic Alternative 90.7 WKKL.